Hey guys, it's Gary Vaynerchuk, and this is the Gary V Audio Experience. Thank you. So, growing up in growing up in the liquor business, I've always learned that it's super hard to compete with alcohol. So, everybody back there, do your thing. You're, you're not hurting feelings. So, thank you so much for having me. Um, I figured, to be very honest, especially as I've been walking around the room and seeing so many familiar faces, uh, I don't think this group necessarily needs me to sit up here and pontificate. Now, it's a little dark, and I was hoping to convert this a little bit into Q&A, so maybe at some point we'll turn on the lights or I'll just, I'll roll with it. But I guess the thing that I want to really talk about is the thing that I've realized that I've been spending the last 20 years of my life on, which is attention. I think if I synthesize what I've been up to, what gives me the, the honor of sitting up here in front of all of you, it's that at a very young age, and I mean going back to lemonade stands, I, uh, when I was seven years old, I had a three lemonade stand franchise. And, and my friends worked the lemonade stand, and I would literally, this is real, and now thinking back to it, it's so, so crazy. I would literally think it was fun at seven years old to walk up and down the streets of Edison, New Jersey, sit on the grass and the corners of streets and try to figure out which poles, which trees were the most interesting to put signs on based on watching human beings drive and try to follow their eyes and figure out the spots. And as sick and fucked up as that sounds to me, it's interesting that that was literally the blueprint for the rest of my life. When I did baseball card shows and I was making three, four thousand dollars a weekend when I was 12, I now remember, oh it's weird, I would actually spend the first four hours of a baseball card show walking the entire show, watching the market, coming back and then setting up my table based on how mine was different than everybody else. And that ultimately manifested, where are we? That ultimately manifested somewhere way out there in Short Hill, Springfield, New Jersey where my dad had a liquor store and I got dragged in when I was 14 and I, I, I basically spent all my days, 15 hours a day, Saturday and Sunday and every weekend of my teenage and high school years watching how people walked through that liquor store. Ultimately, the internet came around and in 1996 I launched one of the first e-commerce wine businesses in America called winelibrary.com and I went on to build that business from a three to a $60 million business on the same thesis which is where is overpriced attention and where is underpriced attention. When I look around this room, startups, consultants, VCs, you know, business leaders, I, I'm curious, because this is a smart room, I'm curious if even all of us are actually stunningly and grossly underestimating what's about to happen, right? So for example, shooting the shit here a little bit, retail. Like, retail's about to get way worse. Like, like when, like, I, I, it's been interesting the meetings I'm in. Like, if people think what you know, what's going to happen in retail? One little, pre- and this is a prediction. This is a flat-out guess, but this has been running through my mind the last hundred days. Which is, there's a lot of retailers that are going out of business, and all of us look at them and go, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. If we, God forbid, have a retailer that seemingly is healthy, go out of business in the next six months it really just collapses that whole infrastructure. And every day, everybody knows here what's happening with their behavior, right? And so, 
we, we see this happen in different sectors, but then I was like, okay, retail's in a really scary place because if you care about big data and analytics, we're starting to get to that threshold where there's enough direct-to-consumer business happening online that basically the infrastructure of leases and buildings really gets scary and will clearly play out. It's not going backwards. You know, every trend that we're living through, it's not coming back. You know, I'm in a ton of fucking meetings with trillion dollar companies whose new game plan is tried and true. Which is always the tale tale to it's fucking over. Right? Because they're hoping. And so, retail, cool, next. A place where I'm far more confident of what I'm talking about, which is media. We have traditional media companies, whether they're print, Hearst, Condé, or, you know, Viacom, you know, and and Fox, like, like, Gig is up. Like we've got another 24 to 36 months, but when you talk about $80 billion in TV advertising, like that's gonna play out. Like it's over. Like OTT is real. Facebook comes out with its OTT product in a month. You know, in the same way that you didn't think you'd watch on Netflix until there was House of Cards, you don't think you're gonna watch a sitcom or show on Facebook until something comes out that you are gonna watch. And so, you know, today with Alexa, I mean like, when you look at the gangster level in which Facebook and Amazon are innovating, not giving a fuck about Wall Street and short-term ROI and investing for the long term, it's just very clear to everybody smart in here. What I'm I'm curious about though, is are we just underestimating the whole thing? Is the internet now hitting real maturity 22, 23 years into consumer internet, 1995, Windows 95, normal people went on, I know there's some nerds in here, but normal people (laughs) went on around that time. You know, and so are we just hitting that crescendo moment because you've got incredible trends. When I think about CPG brands and the absolute fascination I have over the next decade of watching the biggest brands in the world, Procter, Unilever, J&J, Coca-Cola, Pepsi, go through channel conflict wars with Walmart and Costco and Target, like BTC is putting so much pressure. The internet is the middleman and bookstores and black car services just got caught first. And so everything's coming. I have sat in my office on the 25th floor of this beautiful building in the last 100 days and have sat down with founders who've started direct consumer fashion brands that have gone from zero to between three and $10 million in revenue in one year on the back of having pretty people on Instagram post about it. When you start understanding, and this is, this is my macro for all of us, I think everybody here needs to start understanding that every incumbent is not gonna lose to another incumbent, they're losing by the death of a thousand cuts. Right, it's not that Ralph Lauren, which, Ralph Lauren, which is, you know, going through what it's going through, it's not that LVMH or Coach is putting them out of business, it's that there's 4,000 brands that are gonna do $4 million in revenue next year, and that shit adds up. And that's just happening everywhere, and we're living through the long tail. It's even happening in the most innovative places. There's a lot of people here that have not quantified how underpriced influencer marketing is yet, yet even in that world, disruption has come because the long tail influencers of 25 to 50,000 followers are starting to disrupt the people that are overpriced with a million followers. I mean, it's happening so fast. I'm watching very smart people jump into things three years after it actually happened with four years ago talk and that creates enormous disruption. 
And so I guess the one thing I would say, again, seeing a lot of faces that I know here, so we've got real top to bottom CEOs of billion dollar companies, people that are starting startups, I, I think we really need to calibrate several things, which is there's an obnoxious amount of opportunity because people are under, under valuing where the attention is. The attention is in the cell phone. Our cell phone is the remote control of our lives, period, end of story. There's nothing remotely close to as important as the cell phone. And when you start understanding that over 50% of the time spent on the cell phone is spent on seven to 10 core apps, which are social networks and throw in YouTube in there, whatever you want to call it, you're talking about more than half of the time we spend on cell phones on things called Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, and YouTube. And all of a sudden, social media goes away from being a slang term that people think is an afterthought or a sprinkle and it starts becoming the foundation of communication in our society. And so I implore, and, and one of the things that I'm very fascinated by, so for example, uh, I think Facebook videos are the great underpriced opportunity to change your business. So if I'm a SaaS B2B business in this room doing $500 million in revenue, instead of getting booths at trade shows and buying ads in B2B magazines, I know that I could run a video on Facebook that's two minutes and 18 seconds long and I can target employees of any company I want and the copy and the opening line of the video can be, does your CIO know? And I know that that CIO will then get 700 people or 17 people or she will get 14 people sending that video and that becomes a gateway to business development. People are just not practitioners. This room is filled with people who have a whole lot of things to say about stuff but have never actually done it. There's a lot of opinions here on buying Snapchat filters in the open marketplace. There's a lot of opinions here. You like that? It's just true. And, and I say it because I do it in every other thing that I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, right? I've got opinions on everything. And, and, but what's been fascinating is that people got opinions on what's actually happening, but they're not practitioners. We have a massive disconnect between headline reading and practitionership in the modern day of running businesses and marketing. And that is an enormous arbitrage of opportunity and it's also the preview to a whole lot of carnage. And so, I don't know, I think, listen, I as somebody who's most comfortable in chaos think this is gonna be the best. Like, I desperately want Wall Street to melt. I want, I, I'm so tired of all these peacetime generals, these CEOs that have been navigating the last seven years of good times. I think we need a massive correction. I would prefer it. Um, and in that correction, there will be enormous opportunity because the biggest brands in the world, overhead and infrastructure is based on a world that doesn't exist anymore. And you know what's funny? The 13 to 15 faces that I'm able to actually see with the lighting, you all know. I can see it. You all know, I'm not so smart, I'm just saying it. And I'm saying it not because I'm noble, but because my economics aren't tied up in it. And so, one thing I would tell this extremely smart group is the most fascinating thing about the last 20 years of my career is that people say shit they don't believe because of short-term economics, which eliminate all their long-term economic opportunities. And so this group needs to debate that. Because this room is filled with that. And in that is outrageous opportunity. So if you work somewhere and you believe something else, I highly recommend you put it on the record because everybody in that room will remember when shit hits the fan and the people that are historically right win. And that is going to be very important for your actual livelihood. 
Right now, you may be pandering to what's good for your livelihood for your bonus right now. But when shit hits the fan, you get negated and de- it's a detriment for being historically incorrect. So I would implore everybody to look at the macro math to understand what's really going on. We live in a world where Kylie Jenner got paid $1.3 million last week to post one picture on Instagram and Snapchat. And guess what? It was a good fucking deal. It was. And so I think people are holding on to a reality that doesn't exist anymore. So I'm pumped. <laughs> and uh, I hope you are too because if you are, that means that you haven't bogged, you know, people love to make, I was with a client, CMO, and she was razzing on retail and I was like, but you're doing the same thing with your corporate career in here, your infrastructure, your golden handcuffs are their leases. So, I don't know, I think it's an interesting time and, uh, and I really appreciate your attention. I'd love to do a little Q&A if anybody's interested. So, thanks for having me. Anybody have any questions about anything randomly? Yo. Thanks, man. Um, you said on the cell phones, which is really interesting, 50% plus people are yes. spending all of their yes. time on the cell phones, seven to 10 apps. Yes. I don't want to say that those apps are kind of time-wasting, that might not be the word, but what happens, what are the next seven to 10 big apps, and what are people going to be doing? I have, uh, so I have no fucking idea. You know, I get a lot of credit because I was early in investor in Facebook and Twitter and Snapchat and these things, but they were already, they already made it. Like, the only thing I do is I'm a practitioner. I think it's a good idea to wake up in the morning and look at the top 200 apps in the app store or app boy and look at data and download the app and play with it. Like, I'm not, I'm not guessing. These things have already made it. I'm just moving a little bit faster than the rest of the market, right? Now, I don't think they're time wasters because I think escapism is a core need for human beings, right? So whether it's reading a book or watching TV, I mean, I watch grown men run into each other, you know, because I love football, but that's my escapism for my, right? So I don't judge people doing that thing. You know what's funny? I don't care, right? I think way too many people here debate and have a romantic point of view of how they want the world to be, I just react to the way the world is actually acting. Like, who am I to judge? I was told, as a kid, playing video games was a waste of time. I'm watching kids making $15 million a year play esports. Shit changes, right? And so, I, I think that, um, I'm not sure, but what I will say is this, the only great arbitrage to the internet itself that is even out there is VR. But as I was talking to somebody earlier, I believe that consumer VR is quite far away. Like, you know, to me, I react to reality. Nobody here knows somebody that's spending three hours a day on VR. Everybody here is spending seven hours a day on their phone. Like, when you start adding up your time on the, like, we're already, in theory, living in VR. We're living through our phone. I mean, do you know how many people here went hiking this weekend to take the selfie to PR themselves to the fucking friends? Like, there is consumer behavior that is happening that we are grossly underestimating to why and things of that nature. So I don't know, but what I will tell you is, I day trade attention. My life, until I die, will be, why does slime matter to eight-year-olds, right? Why did spinners happen? Why do people care about logic and Russ? Why are they spending so much time on Instagram? Like, and, and I don't judge, I just react and sell.
maybe pass away because lovely lady right in front. How are you? Hi. Hi. All right. So I know you have this thing with bots now. So what are some of your favorite bots that you're like so I have, you know, the funny part is I am obsessed with that space, but I'm more paying attention. You know, it's funny. Like, for example, I don't consume content. Like, I'm not necessarily using a bunch of bots and I'm looking at what's going on with, like, you know, meat courts and, and Reddit and all, some media companies and then, and then retailers. There's a small yogurt startup that's got a real great messenger bot that's doing extremely well. But what's really weird about the way I roll I don't spend much time doing any of this shit. I spend all my time watching you do it. Would you chat with my bro bot? Would I? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, so a, a, a bot that just says bro back to you with everything you said. I'm a little bit more into, <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> any other questions? Yeah, let's, let's bring it over here. Here, I'll switch with you. You can give me that one. Hi, it's, uh, so, so Nice. I actually representing uh, the dying vertical of retail. Yes. As you, as you uh, painted it over Front Armour. Listen, I have a 50,000 square foot wine store right across the river. I'm in it too. Yeah, so we'll, we'll work it together. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Uh, but so for, for a brand like Under Armour, yes. we've, we've traditionally had success doubling down on sporting assets and endorsements. Yes. And yeah, it's worked well for us. We've had the year of champions in 2015. So as you think about the long tail and the influencer network you talked about, like, I mean, you would probably imagine brands have unlimited money, they don't, right? I'm I mean, super aware of your business. We've done some stuff. Like, to me, it's interesting, right? In a world where you have Cam Newton and Jordan and Brady and Steph, you also are in a place where you're not fully even supporting people like Julio Jones because you have a long tail, and yet there's people even further down the long tail that you have. I think that it's a sports endorsement and, like, and fame arbitrage. Guys, fame is the ultimate arbitrage in our society. So it's a great business model. I, I think that most of your athletes at this point are locked into contracts that grossly overpay them on their influence because we lock them in in a world that is shifted. So it's gonna be really interesting to see what you and your two or three competitors are gonna do. Obviously you've seen your direct competitors in the shoe space go in a different direction and go towards music. You know. You know, it's one thing for Yeezys to happen, it's another thing now to watch what Rihanna's doing with Puma, like this is real, right? And then, back to what I was talking about earlier, there's a ton of little micro things going on under, you know, collaborations, what Bape is doing, uh, and, and others, and so, um, it's, it's interesting. I, I, think that, I think Under Armour has a very traditional Nike-like blueprint, I really do from afar. Uh, I think that it'll be, I'm, I would tell you one of the things that I'm most excited about, like as a fan of business, is to actually see what you guys do over the next two or three years, because I think there's opportunities for you to innovate out of necessity. Yeah, no, I, I think that's right. I, mean, I think it just sort of goes back to the fragmentation in the space you're talking about, where do you invest, where you don't, because ultimately, Everything is a prioritization, everything's a decision you have to make based on what's most important. But that's when you overspend on things in an old world. So for me, I'd much rather allocate $300,000 in production and distribution around Julio Jones in an Atlanta area than spend the ridiculous production value to launch a Steph Curry shoe during a commercial during the NBA playoffs. Not that you're right and I'm wrong or vice versa, I just think that's how it's gonna play out. Yeah. Done? Thank you guys.
Podcast listeners, I really appreciate you giving me your ear. I respect it. I appreciate it. You want to one-star this shit? Cool. But if you want to five-star it, even better.